The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Welcome to the Gonstead Chiropractic and Wellness Podcast. This is episode 9, and today we are going to cover a topic that isn't really too popular among the mainstream media or anything like that, but it could be something that your child is struggling with behind the scenes. Um, This is from the American Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry. They said that about 20% of all 5-year-olds and about 10% of all 7-year-old children wet the bed at night. Yep. So this is past the diaper ages, and I would I would argue there's a good percentage of even kids into their teen years that still struggle with bedwetting from time to time that we just don't even really realize because it's not a popular topic for people to talk about. Right, and they've tried everything, you know. Um, I think it's pretty common. I, you know, we start talking to parents, and if we ask them, you know, if they have kids, do you have a child with bedwetting, a lot of times they'll say yes, and it's a frustrating thing because... They try everything, you know. They've tried getting them up three times a night, and they've tried, um, you know, making sure they don't drink any water after six o'clock, and they tried all kinds of different things, alarms, um, waking up, waking them up throughout the night to try and have them go to the bathroom multiple yeah. times, and it still doesn't do anything. And it's still wet, and so they have to change the bedding every day, or have the child in like pull-ups or something till they're age six and seven and eight, and and they have to make that decision. Then am I gonna? You know, have them wear depends the rest of their life or whatever. You know, and so it's a frustrating thing for parents, and sometimes it can be such a simple um, correction. And so you know, you look at the well, you looked up Google and all the different things. What you can do? It's because the child's bladder is small. That's not it. And there's there's just all kinds of things that uh, they're just not getting to the cause. So it reminds me of a case that I had years ago, and and. Um, she was a high school senior and a very pretty, very bright, um, intelligent gal. But when I walked into the consultation room, she hardly looked up. And the mother brought her in. Well, the mother was a patient, and she happened to see something on my bulletin board or something in the dressing room that chiropractic can help bedwetting. And and she was like, she had been a patient for a while, and she goes, chiropractic can help bedwetting? And I go, yeah. And so she brought her in. But when I walked in the room, she hardly looked up. 
And I thought, wow, what's going on here? Is this like a self-esteem problem or something like that? And she was a cheerleader in high school. She was very popular, very pretty, very smart, and all these different things. But the reason she had this issue, it seemed like a self-esteem issue, is because she wet the bed every night of her life. But you think about what she's going through. She's never spent the night at anyone's house. She's never had anyone spend the night at her house. She's, um, you know, because it's her and her parents' little secret. She's going to go off to college next year, and she's trying to decide, am I going to wear Depends every night? Am I going to change the bedding every night? Um, my roommate's going to find out. She's never had a boyfriend because what if her boyfriend found out and told the whole school? Can you imagine the locker room talk, maybe the nickname she would get? So all these things were dealing in her mind. What is wrong with me? There was no hope. There was just... And so the mother brought her in, and, and we started working on her. And, and on, sometimes bedwetting can change really quickly, and sometimes it's a puzzle. You've got to figure out exactly which one's misaligned. And on this particular case, it took me a long time to figure it out. And it was probably, I saw her probably every week or two for maybe five months. And still, there was no change in the bladder. All her other issues, like she had some maybe back aches and headaches and all that stuff went away. But she still wet the bed every night of her life. She came in one day, though, after about five months, and she was just ecstatic. And I said, what's going on? What's going on? She goes, I had one dry night three nights ago. And to me, it was like, okay, well, sit down. Let's get to work. And she goes, Doc, it's the first dry night I've ever had in my life. And I realized at that point that was the first time she ever had hope. And, you know, her parents had tried all these different things, different contraptions, different drugs, different things, and nothing ever helped. And this was just another crazy thing that her mom came up with. And that was the first time she ever had hope. Well, by the time she went off to college the next year, she never wet the bed again. And she was a completely different person. I mean, she, she stood differently. Her posture was different. She, she just had some confidence about her, and, and her smile was different. I mean, it just changed her life. It was the, the neatest thing, and I'll never forget it. That was probably 25 years ago, mm-hmm. and I'll never forget that, that day that she came in. So this bedwetting thing is a huge issue. You know, if you don't get it corrected as a, as a kid it can carry on into adulthood. And maybe they don't wet the bed every night, but there's oh, that bladder's always weak, you know. And, and especially, like, for women, they just always have this weak bladder that kind of seeps or kind of, you know, a little, little drip here, a little drip there, that type of thing. And then people notice this and, and so on. But um, um, so let's just go through a little bit how we analyze that and how we figure out what exactly the problem is. Yeah, so I think the, the first thing is pretty obvious with our name of our podcast is having a system. Mm. The Gonsid system allows us to have this process of analyzation and it's very thorough and all these different tools that we have for analyzing the spine and the nerve system come into factor with that. And so I think the biggest thing I would say is using the scope to find out where the nerve pressure is and then having the x-ray. Those are the two biggest ones. Yeah. Um, the x-ray is super critical as far as what I've found is being able to see and visualize on that tailbone, because a lot of times it, it is a tailbone issue. There's other times where it's not, but many times it is a sacral subluxation of some kind. And you can see right away off that x-ray visually where that tailbone trauma happened years ago or where that tailbone has been taking a beating, whether it's a big trauma or repetitive micro traumas. Mm-hmm. And we can talk about different things that can cause that over time because it is something that they a lot of times will grow into with the habits that they have grown up. Yeah, so when you talk about the sacrum, the the sacrum is the big tailbone, but those are five different little segments, and about 
when you're 18, 20 years old, that all fuses together. And so if there is misalignment on one of those segments, it'll actually fuse that way, and then there's not a whole lot you can do with it later on. But um, it's kind of crazy. You know, a five-year-old, a lot of times we may not take a picture, but if they have bedwetting, we almost always do because it's it used to be almost an S2 subluxation, and um, that's a second, second sacral tubercle that would that segment would misalign. And now it's like we take a picture, and it's like they're all misaligned. I mean, it's four, five, three, two, and, and it's a process of fixing this one and then that one, and it's crazy. I just had one here recently, and it's it's like I feel like I could adjust every one of them. And so you just kind of pick one and get, and it's got to be really specific because you got to contact that with your fingertip on a child. It's really small, and so you you move your fingertip about a quarter inch, and you're on the wrong one. And so you got to be really specific, and you got to move just the one. You don't want to hear this big rattle up the spine. You want to move that one specific little segment. Even if it's just a little click, sometimes that's enough. Mm-hmm. It's, the key is not doing too much, yep. um, knowing when to stop. And that's why, you know, when you talked about the case earlier, you said I would see her once a week or two for about five months. And I like that you you said that right off the bat because many times with bedwing cases, the urge is to see them again in a couple of days. Well, the body needs time to heal. So yeah. after you adjust that sacrum or whatever segment you find, you have to allow the body to have that time to heal and repair and adapt to that new position, that, that bone, so that all of a sudden the nerve system can start to regulate. And so then you want to see maybe a week out or two weeks how things were holding or how they accepted that adjustment and if it didn't go well. You move to a different spot. If it did get some improvement, even if it was just like one night, like you said, or maybe it wasn't quite the same as the night before, you know, any of those little signs of improvement are huge with a bedwetting case. So you just kind of follow those findings as you're adjusting them. And uh, yeah, as far as systems go with the Gonset system, especially with bedwetting, um, you try to stick with one system. Uh, you don't try to mix systems because you w- you don't want to confuse the nerve system. You want to allow the body to accept the adjustment and stick with one system. So so when, so when you say systems, it means... I was just going to explain that. So <laughs> a system, there's two different ones in the nerve system. There's the parasympathetic, which usually slows things down. We think of the rest, digest, recovery system. And then there's the sympathetic system, which is usually the fight or flight or the stress side of the nerve system, meaning it, it increases. So it, it could be energy, it could be... Um, epinephrine, you know, the adrenaline hormones, there's a lot of different things, but it usually increases production. So you want to usually stick with one system, otherwise you're kind of fighting against yourself. Right, and the parasympathetic is usually the sacrum area and the upper neck, and then the par- and the sympathetic nervous system is affected typically from C6 down to L5, and, and so we don't usually uh, mix those two on those type of cases, those visceral cases. The other thing that's neat about the Gunstead system is every case is unique. So if someone comes in with a really hot low back, severe low back pain, can't even walk, crawls in the office, you might see them two or three times a day. Mm-hmm. You know, you would never do that with a bedwetting case. No. You, you've got to give it time. And, and it's, they don't have any pain. You've got to make a change, give that time to that body time to change function. And so what I tell patients, I uh, tell the parents, just... Uh, keep record you know if they wet the bed every night just keep record of how many dry nights there are in the next week or two so if it's every i decide every two weeks i'm going to see them just keep records and they'll come in and say well they there was four dry nights mixed out through other oh so that's four dry nights there was 10 wet four dry so we write down in the chart four and ten 
and then we just kind of keep track of that and we adjust them if again if the findings are there then you know if they have swelling and there's tenderness and a lot of times on that those bedwetters on the sacrum there'll be a, a puddle of fluid you know maybe the size of a quarter right over s2 or s3 or something like that and you can actually visually see that go down it's kind of cool and that's why the gunset system is so important is being able to visualize that instead of adjusting through a shirt or mm. um, through you know mm -hmm. having the the waistband up over the belly button or whatever real high so they're just adjusting through the pants and all this stuff you have to be able to visualize the spine and the sacrum and the hips and everything down there so you can see okay where's the swelling what does the joints look like is it look twisted down there um, all those visual visual findings are really important um, and so when we adjust people we make them put a gown on. We want to be able to see the spine and feel the spine and adjust with our hand on the skin so we know we're getting the best adjustment possible. Well, gosh, in those cases, especially if you're off a quarter inch with your fingertip contact, you know, you may not get results. You may make them worse. And so you've got to get skin on skin because if you try and adjust through their pants or through their underwear, you're going to miss that. Right. And so... One one case that I had, um, you know, he got fairly good results. And he, actually, she had two kids that were wet in the bed at the time. And they came in, and they were probably in the, the age range of 8 to 10. You know, so they're getting close to double digits there. And and so definitely shouldn't have been wet in the bed at the, that point. But I kind of just laid it all out for her. And I just said, this is something that is different for every every kid. You might have one kid that I adjust, and all of a sudden they respond like that. You know, mm -hmm. and they start having dry nights right off the bat, you might have both kids take a long time because it's been there a long time. When I saw their x-ray, sure enough, there was calcification along the sacrum already and things mm -hmm. that had shown that it had been there a long time. So we got results with them, and I started um, probably after a couple months getting to the point where they were having some dry nights here and there. And uh, we kind of stalled out there where I would have them come back every month, and we kind of got out to once a month, but they would seem to start having wet nights again towards the end of the, the second or third week. And so that we kind of stalled out at that point until we got to about nine months or something like that, and they stuck with it and um, finally found out that if I did the S2, the second sacral tubercle, with C2 from the right, and I remember it was that specific where it had to be S2, and C2, the uh, C2 is the second cervical, from the right side, they would be completely dry, hmm. or the, the boy would. And it, it took that specificity to get results for that person. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's just it's just so, and it's it makes it fun as far as I'm concerned because you it every case is a puzzle, and some puzzles are very easy, and some pu puzzles are very difficult, and. Um, but there's sometimes, you know, you, you take a picture and it's like, wow, the sacrum doesn't look that bad and you adjust it and there's no change. You kind of stick with that a few times and, and pretty soon there's no tenderness. There's no findings there. Okay. So now I got to hunt. And so you maybe start with L5 and, and I remember there was one case I fixed with a T6 middle back and it was like, how did that work? You know, and, but that's what fixed that person. And, and, uh, Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. 
you just can't put any, everything into a box. You can't say, okay, they have bedwetting, so it's a sacral problem because that one was T6. Yours was a combination of C2. And I think of another case as a family of three, and two of them pooped their pants during the day, wet the bed at night, and the other one wet the bed at night but didn't have bowel issues. And how old were they? Um, they were probably ranged from... They're all in school, so I, I would say like eight or nine to five, something like that. So definitely shouldn't be pooping their pants. No, yeah. no. And they were at school, and they were pooping their pants. And, uh, you know, for some reason, a lot of times bowel control goes with that, with the bladder control. And, and if they're constipated, it seems like that aggravates the problem, too. And But anyway, both of them, the function came back, and all three of them, it took a long time. It was like they'd be better oh, good, everything's going pretty good, and all of a sudden it would come back, and so they'd come in, and we'd work on them. And it wouldn't be like I'd adjust exactly the same thing, and they'd get better. I'd adjust them, and they'd come back in a week or two, and say it didn't change. I was like, okay. So we'd, you'd have to kind of change a little bit what you're adjusting. And But we finally got it to the point where they were stable, and every one of them, they don't wet the bed, they have the bowels are controlled. And, and you can just tell the family is just different. When they come in, the mom's more relaxed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she's getting sleep now or, and this kind of thing, and the kids are just more well-behaved and they just have more confidence. And I mean, can you imagine if you poop, pooped your pants every day and wet the bed every night, it would have to make an you know, impression on who you were as a person. And leave a mark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I guess what's the mechanism of, of that? So when we talk about, because we kind of went straight into checking them and adjusting them, but... How does that actually work? So why is it that, you know, with a bedwetter, especially once they get to the age where they shouldn't be wetting the bed or pooping their pants anymore, why are they having the problem in the first place? What is a subluxation in the sacrum or in the upper neck? Or what, what is having a subluxation impairing the nerve system? What does that all do to affect the control of the bladder and the bowel? Well, the sacrum, I think why the sacrum is uh, so effective on that is there's a big uh, nerve plexus on the other side of that sacrum. And uh, if there's something misaligned in there that's affecting the nerves, you know, the brain controls everything through these nerves. And if it's controlling, um, you know, bowel, bladder, anything like that, it's just like if you uh, uh, pinch a nerve that goes down your leg, you'll have numbness or pain. Well, those nerves are, in a sense, pinched that go into your bladder and goes into your bowel, and it affects the function. You don't feel your bowel, but it'll affect the function. You don't feel your bladder but you it'll affect the function of it and so if it's only working at 50 percent let's say that bladder fills up maybe they don't feel you know we have that feeling when we have to go we have a feeling well maybe they don't have that feeling it's i'd be like a numbness in your leg but this is a numbness in your bladder they don't have that feeling maybe that's it maybe it's at the the sphincter to the bladder is real weak and so that as that bladder fills up with fluid it just can't hold it and just lets it on loose and so they don't they can't help it they they can't feel it they can't have the strength to hold it maybe during the day they can consciously hold it but at night they can't consciously hold it and it just lets it on through so what's the the end result of that so you talked about like the sphincter problem from a medical perspective they would say well we need to figure out how to activate that sphincter so we've seen them um, you know, down the road, they've had bladder issues all their life. And all of a sudden, you, we have a 80 year old that comes in and she's got a uh, implant in her stomach that stimulates her bladder through a wire. Mm-hmm. And you'll see that mm-hmm. on an x ray. So this is something that they don't really grow out of when you say they when the um, articles and everything you read say they, they'll grow out of it. 
they don't grow out of it. They grow into bigger problems down the road. They adapt, and they say, right. that's just the way I'm going to be, and so this is how I'm going to have to adapt my life. So the goal for us is to get to them while the, the issue is fairly young, relatively young, and we can hopefully correct that problem, even if it's something that's been there for you know, I mean, sometimes you, you get these bedwetting cases and they're eight years old. Well, maybe they have a tailbone issue that's been there since they started learning how to walk. Mm-hmm. So we need to address these issues early. So what are some of the, the issues that start to cause sacral subluxations or whatever kind of subluxation they may be, even from a really young age? Because a lot of people, they'll say, well, why would I need to bring my kid in? They haven't you been know, through a whole lot yeah. yet. They don't complain of back pain. Right. Um, so... One of the things that happens when the kid is first learning how to walk, how many times do they fall on their ear and fall on their ear and fall on their ear? Constantly. Well, if you and I were to do that, man, we would be hurting. And so that's when a lot of sacral subluxations, lower back subluxations happen is when they're falling on their ear learning how to walk. And then you put them in a car seat, and those car seats, you and I will sit upright and we'll sit on our rears, but they're sitting back, and they're really sitting on their back. Their weight is going on that back, and they're bouncing down the road. And unfortunately, in most of the car seats, there's not a lot of padding right where the back is. That tailbone. That tailbone is. And so they're just bouncing on hard plastic down the road. And even even things that we have as um, toys and different seats and stuff for them at home, a lot of times... Um, you know, we would use one of those bouncers where they can kind of, you can kind of set them upright and it's a bouncy seat and they can kind of bounce around and play with different toys. Well, if they're in that a long time, they're taking little micro traumas to the tailbone and it starts to cause those sacral issues. And the other reason we don't want to have them weight bearing on their tailbone is because they haven't developed their spine properly yet. Mm -hmm. So when they're real young, Tummy time is really critical. That's the time when they start to strengthen up their neck and get that cervical curve into their spine. That develops when they're on their tummy a lot. Um, and then when they crawl, that's when they start to develop that lumbar spine curve, that lordotic curve that we want in the, in the spine. So if we take that away and they're always in a seat or always in a car seat or a stroller and we never allow them to crawl and, and lay on the ground, they don't develop the strength. They also have little micro traumas that they're enduring every day. And then they grow into these issues later in life. Yeah. So um, the first trauma they ever go through is the birthing process. Mm. You know, they're pulling the head with about 60 pounds of pressure, trying to get the shoulders and everything out. So they're twisting and putting pressure on the brainstem. And then when they come out, you know, we're pulling their legs up to wipe their bottoms. Mm. And they're um, in these car seats. Uh, they're just, there's trauma to life. There's stress. And so it doesn't have to be huge traumas. But any type of little micro trauma has its effect, just like when we, they start eating food. As soon as those teeth pop through, you know, parents are brushing those little tiny teeth, even though they're the baby teeth. It's mm-hmm. like you start brushing those little teeth just to make sure that they stay healthy. We want to do that with the spine so the nerve system stays healthy. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, so we want to make sure that uh, we keep their spines healthy. And, and some of the other symptoms that they might have of a sacral subluxation down there in the S2 asthma, a lot of times, asthma, allergies, well, all of it kind of goes together. If they're constipated, if a child is constipated, not eliminating every day, they're building up toxins. And so a lot of times they'll react to things like allergies and skin issues and that kind of thing. That's real common with a sacral subluxation. Um, maybe ADHD, hyperactivity, that's real common. Again, that's a parasympathetic area. You adjust that area, it slows things down, and all of a sudden their um, activity level will slow down. Their brain can function a little better and that kind of thing. Uh, There's just a lot of different symptoms that can happen with that sacral subluxation. And I know for my son... 
personally. Um, Drake is about five years old, and probably when he was around age three or four, um, he started waking up in the middle of the night with leg pains, and he'd be just screaming, you know. And for me, you know, like I, I, I have the training I have, and I, I wasn't worried about it because I knew there had to be a cause that I could address. But for Blaine, it, it freaked her out. Mm-hmm. You know, he'd waking up screaming, pain in his legs, and um, whenever we'd have him point, he'd point to a different area. Sometimes it'd be like the knee and the shin. Sometimes it'd be the bottom of his foot, and it would be both legs or one leg or the other, and. Um, so I finally figured out, and, and this was, mind you, two o'clock in the morning, you know, so we're mm-hmm. waking up in the middle of the night and I'm having to try and get my brain awake to try and find out where that subluxation is causing him pain. Because with our approach, we don't, we don't want to give him painkillers because they have side effects, mm-hmm. right? So we did what we could to, to keep him comfortable. And, you know, whether it was biofreeze or whatever, we try some natural things to try and ease the pain, but nothing was really touching it for him. Question. Do you have any Tylenol or ibuprofen in your house? We do not. <laughs> we, we never did all <laughs> so of our So you kids. better figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, for him, I found out that it was S5, the very last segment on the tailbone. It's like the tip right before you get to the coccyx. If I would get down on that with my fingertips and adjust S5, even just a little click at 2 o'clock in the morning, within 30 to 60 seconds, he'd be rocking in a rocking chair with Blaine um, sitting on her lap and the pain was gone. Isn't that crazy? So leg pains, you know, and they say growing pains is natural. No, it's not. The growing pains, it's usually they point down to their shins and it's not, that's not where the growth plates are. It has nothing to do with growing. It's, it's usually a, a subluxation down on that sacrum. Restless legs is another one. So ladies, if you're, you have a husband that has restless legs at night, a lot of times we can adjust the sacrum and calm that down. I know that's the reason why I know that is because uh, my wife would complain of that with me, and if I get that adjusted, it calms that down. Old crazy legs. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's what we want to try and get to is finding out why are my children having the, the symptoms that they may be having or why are they acting in a certain way. There's got to be a cause to it. So start being a detective with mm-hmm. your children and their mm-hmm. health. Don't just take the run-of-the-mill run of advice from the medical profession saying that there's they're just going to grow out of it. That's normal because it's not normal to have leg pains and scream in the middle of the night when you wake up. Right. It's not normal to wet the bed when your age is 5 and 7 and, and 13. It's, it's not normal. So there's got to be a cause. For every effect, there is a cause. So right. that's what we try to do with this system is get to the root cause and correct the, the subluxation mm-hmm. so that they can live a normal life, a healthy life. Yep. Yeah, you always have to get to the cause. And the other thing we didn't address is is diet and sugar and all that kind oh, yeah. of stuff. We we've, we've noticed that too through the years if if that child comes in and they're, you know, maybe constipated and wet in the bed, that's real common. And have allergy type issues, skin issues, that's real common. All those come together and they come in and it, it's just funny as they lay out the case. They tell me, "Tell me about your child. What what else? What else? What else?" And they throw out all these symptoms our minds are going to one specific thing. It's all one cause, but we have to re- verify that with the x-rays and, and the scope and all that kind of thing. But And those lifestyle habits and nutrition and everything that they have going on, they will either help or hinder the process as we're adjusting them. It's not usually the root cause, but it's usually a contributor to the cause. So if they're eating a lot of processed foods and sugars, especially like food dyes, man, those are food mm-hmm. dyes for whatever reason, they are very hard on the nerve system. And so they can hinder 
um, the ability of the child's nerve system to heal and repair and uh, function normally as well. Yeah, and the big thing is get them off sugar. My goodness, yeah. there's so many kids living on sugar. They're drinking pop, they're drinking Kool-Aid and anything but water. And then, Screen time late at night yeah. and all these different things that stress the body and keep it on that stress mode, that fight or flight mode. We need to get the body healing and in a rest and recovery mode. So if this is something that resonates with you, whether you have a child that's dealt with bedwetting before or you know somebody that's struggling with their kids to try and find an answer, make sure you share this podcast with them. We would love to sit down and talk with them uh, how we may be able to help and what, what our approach is to try and get their kid healing the natural way so they can live a normal, healthy life. Um, you know, make sure you leave us a comment as we post these on our Facebook page. If you have any topics you'd like to hear more about, we'd love to have input from you guys so we can hear more about that. And check out our YouTube channel as well. Our YouTube channel has a lot of different stories of cases like this and others that people are getting real results with. So we want to continue to share more of those. So this is Dr. Tyler Hackbart. Dr. Daryl Hackbart. Bringing you Gonstead Chiropractic and Wellness Principles to educate you so you can live the best life possible. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.